we've been in this series, my favorite song. Remember, we, we put it to you. You were stressed out having to use your smartphone and, and pick uh, one of the top 10. And so I'll be looking at uh, the number two. And, and, uh, but there's 150 psalms in the Bible, and there are many different writers of these poems, of these songs. And uh, did you know that the oldest, <clears throat> the oldest psalm is Psalm 90, 90, and it was written by Moses. What a multi-talented guy old Moses was. But he wrote Psalm 90. Solomon wrote some psalms. Uh, there's a worship leader named Asaph that wrote some. There's the sons of Korah. They were a grunge band from Jerusalem. That uh, uh, lesser known fact. <laughs> but uh, uh, they wrote uh, some psalms. And then there are over 40 psalms uh, that are anonymous. We don't know who wrote them. But by far the primary writer, by far the primary songwriter in the Psalms is a guy named David. Uh, King David, as uh, we, we would refer to him um, most of the time, and he, at least 76 of the Psalms are attributed to David. And uh, this morning we're gonna be looking at one that he wrote, and as Carter uh, so beautifully read this morning, we're looking at Psalm 103. And like many of David's Psalms, Psalm 103 is a call to worship. And it's interesting in this psalm, David, you know, as you read it, you realize he's not talking to God. David's not talking to the people. In this psalm, David is talking to, the, to himself. And it's, what's interesting about this call to worship is David is not sort of, you know, talking to him, himself, to his soul, and saying, hey, soul, like, it's not like a suggestion. Hey, soul, if you're not busy right now. Hey, soul, if you could spare a few moments. It's like, it's not a suggestion. David is literally commanding himself to praise the Lord. And, and the Hebrew word that's used for praise, it's a word barak, and it simply means uh, to bless God. So in your Bible, and what I memorized as a kid was not praise the Lord my soul, it was bless the Lord, O my soul. Uh, and really that word, again, it, uh, barak means to bless God, it's to lift him up, to honor him. But what's interesting uh, with this word is that in, in praising God, that it's, it's, it points to both uh, praising God, but it also points to the privilege it is for the person doing the praising. So as to say, when we bless God, when we worship God, uh, it's good for him, but it's also good for us. There's something that, that comes back on us as we, as we you know, pour out our praise, as we just sang, to God. And you know, so that's where we see David commanding himself, like literally he's saying, everything that is within me, voice, come on, voice, uh, praise the Lord, sing, shout, come on hands, clap, lift up, come on body, body, bow down, sway appropriately. It's like he's saying to all that is within him, bless the Lord. David knew something. This guy knew something about the power of worship. You rarely hear uh, the name David without also hearing the tagline, David was a man after like, look at that. It is so common. Wouldn't you love to be known that way? Like your name, a man, a woman after God's own heart. David, uh, uh, it's no wonder when you look at this guy's life and look at you know, what he was known for, it's no wonder that he wrote so many psalms. Because David was, like it says, a man after God's own heart. David was a man who was uh, very... Uh, it was a consistent theme in his life to pursue the presence of God, to worship God. And there's a story in Samuel 1, <clears throat> in 1 Samuel, <laughs> where uh, David, he's not yet king of Israel, and um, he, he has this little army, and they've, <clears throat> they've been off pillaging somewhere. And when they come back to their town, they come back and realize that while they're away, 
an enemy came and uh, burned the, ground, the, the town to the ground and basically took hostage all their wives and all their children and, and they come upon this scene and the men are, you know, everyone's wailing and getting angry and it starts to get real dicey and it says this in, in 1 Samuel 30 verse six. It says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. It's interesting they weren't upset that their wives were gone, but that might be another talk. <laughs> but each one was bitter in spirit, oh no, because of uh, his sons and daughters. But this is where I'm going with this. But David, in that tense situation, what does David do? David found strength in the Lord his God. How did he find strength? If, as it goes on, he, they bring the ephod. He, what, basically what happens is David worships. David pursues uh, the presence of God. And you know, throughout this guy's life, from young shepherd boy to old king of Israel, David learned that it was through worshiping God, praising uh, God, blessing God, it was through worshiping him that we encounter him, that we encounter his presence. Long before Jesus taught it to his disciples, uh, he taught it to David, this, this truth that God is the vine and we're the branches. And we, were, we're, we have nothing if we're not connected to the vine. I mean, what good is a branch if it's just lying on the ground? And what David knew is that we needed to be connected to the vine. And what David also knew is that one of the primary ways that we connect to the vine is through, uh, is through worship. And again, when I'm talking about worship, uh, what I'm talking about some, in this talk is I'm talking more about when we gather together to worship. And, and like what we just did for the first 25 minutes or so. And and so today, really in this talk, my goal is uh, that we would grow both in our understanding of worship and what's going on as we worship, but also that we would grow in our, our, uh, our participation in, in worship. So in 103, David is calling us, he's commanding us as he commanded himself. It's like, come on, come on, people, be worshipers of God. Don't miss out on the opportunity to reconnect, to connect to the vine, to, to encounter the presence of God. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into Psalm 103. <clears throat> Lord, uh, I thank you for your presence here today. And I pray, even in saying that, that we wouldn't take that for granted, that we wouldn't get so used to talking about your presence, that it's, it's like, boy, it was sunny today. Yeah, it wasn't God's presence at church. It's sort of like, it just, that it starts to lose its meaning. I pray today that your presence would be the biggest thing we remember from this morning. That you are here. The vine, the life giver, the identity giver, the, you know, the joy giver, the healer, the on and on and on giver. So I pray as a bunch of branches, you would help us connect to you today. Right, so just take what I say and use it to point us to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, as we learned last week from JT, Psalms, it's right in the middle of your Bible, right in the middle of your smartphone. <laughs> and, uh, but we're gonna be looking at Psalm 103, and we'll jump into verse one. Here's what David says. He says, praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We'll stop there. So again, in, in Psalm 103, David, he's speaking to himself. 
He's commanding himself to, to worship God, to praise God, to not be passive, to not miss out on this, uh, the opportunity to connect with God. And the fact that he's having to command his soul to worship God, the fact that he's having, that, you know, in verse two, he's commanding his soul not to forget all of God's benefits. The fact that he's doing that tells me that there are a couple of hurdles that need to be addressed when we're considering, when we're talking about worshiping God. So number one in your notes is this. It is worship helps us realign and remember. Right? Worship helps us realign and remember. So one of the consequences of sin poisoning the human heart is that there is an internal and external resistance to choosing to enter into worship. And uh, have you, you, you uh, probably noticed this in your own life that there are times when you come into church and we're like, you know, the, the music kicks up, like, why don't we all stand up, we're gonna worship, and you're like, you're like red hot already, like, yeah, woo, you're just like, you know, it's like we just threw a match on a dry piece of wood soaked in gasoline, and, and I would say when you come in just raring to sing God's praises, it's because you've been worshiping all week. It's because you've been honoring him and enjoying him and obeying him and, and, you know, and thinking about him all week. But, but more often than not, uh, most times as we say, come on, let's stand and worship, it's like, Ooh. it's like a slow, there's, what you recognize is there's, there's resistance. When, when we say, let's worship God, there's, like, there's, a, there's a pushback that you feel. And I think here's a good picture of what's going on. Uh, we bought our house uh, five years ago. And in May of this year, our basement flooded. And what we discovered um, through the flooding was that in the five years that we've lived in this house, this was a new house, on the sides of the house, there's drainage. You know, for the rainwater, there's pipes that, that the slope of the pipes is they're pointing, they're, there's a downward slope, so all that water goes, whoom, goes rushing out to the street, to the drains in the street. But over the, the last five years, there's been, the ground has settled on the, side, on the sides of our house, and so those, the slope has changed. So now with all this rain, you know, it's the sump, it's trying to push that water out to the street, but it's, the slope is going, it's gone the opposite direction. So you now all that water comes rushing back against the sump and against the, you know, the, the drainage, and, and thus we have a, a flooded basement. So when you look at the Garden of Eden, here's Adam and Eve, uh, uh, you know, living in this beautiful garden and the natural slope that they're living with is towards God, right? They're enjoying his presence. Uh, they're walking in the cool of the evening with God and, and it's like it's easy. It's easy to be in the presence of God because the slope of their lives is towards God. But then Genesis 3, what happens? Poof, sin enters in, right? They get deceived. They eat the apple or as the story goes and, they, and what happens instantly is that the slope of their lives changed because of sin. And now instead of uh, walking with God in the cool of the evening, they're hiding from God instead because the slope of their hearts has changed. And so it's the same for us. The slope of our hearts is not towards God. It's away from God. So when we say, hey, we're gonna worship, what you need to realize is that it's going to take effort because you're gonna have to go over that hurdle to enter in. Does that make sense? Okay, good. A nodded head helps a lot. It really helps a lot. So that's why, you know, in, in, in Psalm 103, David is commanding his soul because he recognizes the natural flow of his soul is, let's go, what, you know, like, is, is against that. 
We need to do the same thing. We need to command our souls. So that's the first hurdle. The second one is this. Oh, wait. I jumped ahead. Added to that internal resistance, there's an external resistance. We learned this in our uh, Invisible War series that we have an enemy, the devil, who will do everything he can to stop us from worshiping God. Because he knows the Bible better than we do. He knows what James 4, 7 says. He knows that, that what it teaches in the Bible is that come near to God and he will come near to you. And one of the primary ways that we come near to God is through worship. And you know, it's a mystery to me, but I've, I have experienced it over and over. I've heard stories over and over. There's just something happens when a human being makes a choice to focus on God and to engage their voice, to engage their body, to, to, you know, to, to worship him. There's something so powerful that goes on. It's a mystery to me, but there's something so powerful. There's an interaction, both there's a natural power, that, or there's something powerful naturally, there's something powerful spiritually, and the enemy knows that. So he's gonna do whatever he can to stop that from happening. So uh, don't raise your hands, okay? But <laughs> so you know, like, oh, what's he gonna do? Uh, how many of you had an argument on the way to church today? Don't raise your hands. You just think about that. How many had an argument? Maybe it was with your spouse, uh, you know, or maybe the kids, right? Here's what I know happens. So many times, you're gonna argue or something's gonna, on the way to church, and, and I, I'm convinced that's the enemy because you walk in and we go, let's worship, and you take the next 10 to 15 minutes just to cool off, right? Because, you know, you're just sort of, you're wound up. Or when you go to sing, it's your breath, the enemy leans in and goes, really, you're gonna praise God after what you yelled at your kids in the car? Right, he's doing whatever he can to stop you. Or he's going to uh, stir up distractions like, or criticism. He's going to just whisper criticism. Like you're going to sit there and go, I don't like this song. I don't like this leader. Except, you know. <laughs> that's, what my mom, that's what my mom says. Or, uh, boy, it's hot in here, which never happens in this church. It's more, boy, it's freezing in here, right? Or, or it could just be distracting thoughts. You're, you're sitting there today. Hey, I wonder what we're going to have for lunch today. Or, hey, are the Browns playing today? Ooh, I better worship. I better worship. I better, I better get on my knees, right? See, the, but the enemy knows. I love, yeah, I always. The, the enemy knows how powerful, how powerful worship is, how life-changing it is, right? As we make that choice, there's something incredibly powerful that happens, so it's, but it's gonna take a fight. It's gonna take an effort. It's gonna take a choice. David said this in Psalm 100. He said, he said, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. See, again, David knows there's resistance. So he said, it doesn't say, so stand outside you know, his gates with, with thanksgiving, or, you know, or stand outside and look through the window of his courts with praise. He's saying, if you want to come into the presence of God, you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to enter. And so just know that whenever we, come to, whenever we say it's time to worship, there will always be that hurdle of, of resistance. So then now, the second hurdle. Another consequence of the fall is, uh, is forgetfulness. We are forgetful. We're constantly forgetting who we are, we're uh, constantly forgetting who he is. And if you missed uh, JT's talk last weekend, uh, it was an excellent talk. I think there's still some out on the info counter. 
uh, some CDs. But basically, he really addressed that, like who God is as our creator, who we are as his creation, that you know, we're, we were made on purpose, for a purpose. And, but when you look throughout the Bible, there is this principle, <laughs> there's this principle of remember, 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 all through the Old and New Testament. So uh, Genesis 9, after the, after the flood, the very first rainbow appears in the sky. And what does God say to Noah? He says, hey, Noah, every time I see a rainbow, it's going to be a reminder to me that I will never again flood the earth with water. So, I mean, think about that next time you see a rainbow. I mean, who doesn't love a rainbow? Right? I mean, whenever there's a cool rainbow, what blows up on Facebook? Like 400 pictures of that same rainbow. And it's like, there's just something, there's something, I think, divine about rainbows. Because you know what? Next time you see a rainbow, look at it and stop and think this. Right now, God is looking at the same rainbow. And what is God doing? He's remembering. He's remembering that he will never again flood this, uh, this earth with water. Or uh, Deuteronomy 6, God tells his people to remember uh, all the commandments he's given, and then he gives them this long list. He says, you know, these commandments, they're to be uh, on your hearts, impress them on your kids, talk about them, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on your door frames, and really I think what God is saying to his people is, hey, you guys, part of the human condition is you are so forgetful, you need to do whatever it takes to remember do whatever it takes to remember the truths of who God is. Uh, one, something that we do every weekend is communion. And what is at the heart of communion? What did Jesus say when you're there at the Last Supper and he's got that bread and he breaks the bread and we, you know, this is my body broken for you and he pours the wine in that cup and he says, and this cup represents you know, my blood? What did he say to them? Uh, do this in remembrance of me. Hey, there's this theme all through the Bible, remember, remember. So, you know, like next time you take communion, <laughs> I would encourage you to just stop and ask Jesus, like what part of the story do you want me to remember? What part of the crucifixion, what part of the resurrection do you want, do you want me just to really, uh, the, or what part of, the, of it do I need to remember? Because you know me. Is it, is it that I'm totally washed clean because of what you've did on the cross? I mean, I never get tired of that, but like you, I forget that. And really, when you think about it, uh, uh, God is so smart, he knows how forgetful we are, so he works into our faith loads of opportunities to remember, to remember all his benefits. And when we talk about worship, worship, every time we gather together, worship is an opportunity uh, to remember. You look at the lyrics of what we're singing. We're, rem we're being reminded through these songs who God is, uh, what he's done, etc. And you know, studies show that if you want to put something to, to memory, one of the best ways is to put it to music. And you know, this is humble, humbling as a preacher that long after you've forgotten what I'm gonna say today, you're still singing the songs. Which, which really I think is awesome. Because you get that song in your heart and you're singing it all week and what are you doing all week? You're remembering. And why is that important? Because what happens? What happens when we forget the truth? Or in the case of what David was saying, what happens when we forget all of God's benefits? Right? What happens in your life when you forget all the blessings and benefits of being a, uh, one of God's kids? What happens is we, well then suddenly we're on our own. And now we've got to figure this all out on our own.
So what happens when we forget that God is, as David lists them, when, when we forget that God has forgiven all our sins? What happens when you forget that? I know what happens when I forget that. I get swamped with guilt and shame. And it keeps me up at night. What happens when we forget that he heals all, all our diseases, whether it's in this life or for sure, he'll heal them all in the next. But when we forget that, uh, in the struggle, in the hard times, uh, in the illness, we start to question his goodness. We start to question, like, is he, is he really able to do anything? Uh, what happens when we forget that God redeems us, that he rescues us from the pit, from destruction, from the holes that we fall into? When we forget that, we start to lose hope for our own struggles, our addictions, or for those of our loved ones. Uh, fear consumes us. What happens when we forget that God crowns us with love and compassion? We lose sight we lose sight of the incredible gift of the gospel. You might want to pick that up. We lose sight <laughs> because the whole room is listening to that right now. Okay. What happens when we forget to put our cell phones on? Okay. What happens when we forget that God satisfies our desires with good things? I mean, think about this one. What do you do? Well, I start looking elsewhere to satisfy the longings, the appetites, the desires. Every weekend when we gather together, uh, uh, every, every week when you gather in your small group, we have an opportunity through worship to be reminded, to realign and remember who God is. So that's number one. Number two, worship awakens us to God's presence. <clears throat> worship awakens us to God's presence. It's in worship that we both are realigned and we remember who God is, but it's also within the context of worship that we experience who God is. We experience what God is like. And so David continues in verse eight. <clears throat> he says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. Slow to anger, abounding in love, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You know, uh, what I love in this psalm is, is uh, how clearly David answers the question, hey, what is God like? Like right now, if you, you, know, if you were sitting in a room with Jesus, just you and Jesus, you know, you're in Ikea chairs. I think that's what he would have used. You're sitting in chairs, and it's just the two of you. What expression would be on his face as he looks at you? What would he be saying to you? Right? And, and I love how David says, you want to know what God is like? Do you want to know what would just be the, the, the waves that would be crashing on you as you're sitting with Jesus? Hey, I'm gracious. I'm compassionate. I am slow to anger, Jesus would say. I am, a, I am rich. I'm abounding in love. Yep, at times I convict. At times I believe God does get angry, but he doesn't stay that way. He doesn't treat you or I as our sins deserve. He doesn't, why you, and rub our noses in it. Nothing separates us from his love, from his kindness towards us. His love for you and I is so great, as high as the heavens are above the earth. I mean, how do you measure that? You, you can't. His love is so great, you can't measure it. His, when you uh, ask forgiveness for for. For, uh, for a sin, 
He forgives you because he said he would because he paid for that on the cross. When you ask forgiveness and he forgives you, he takes that sin and does he just sort of toss it outside? No, it says he throws it so far away as far as the east is from the west. Well, how far is that? Well, you can't measure that. That's what God is like. And so can you see why, sort of jumping back to my first point, can you see why the enemy works constantly? Whether it's when we gather or as we go throughout our week, he is working constantly to twist the truth of who God is. He is working constantly to blind you, me, every human being to how wonderful God is. I was, um, <coughs> last Friday, I was down in Columbus at the, uh, one of the hospitals visiting someone. And when I left, I was, I was going down the uh, elevator and I went in, there's like, I don't know, five or six of us in the elevator and I went and stood right in the back and uh, doors closed and I looked at the, uh, the panel, you know, where all the buttons are and somebody had stuffed a postcard-sized track, like a Christian track, into one of the buttons. And I'm in the back and I, and I glanced at it and I saw across the top in big letters, WWJD. And I thought, that's cool. You know, you're in a hospital, people are hurting, people are afraid, and, and somebody's put a, a, a Christian track there to point him to Jesus, right? There's some comfort there. <laughs> and then, uh, then I looked a little closer as we started to move, and I, uh, I saw that WWJD didn't stand for what would Jesus do, and no joke. This is a Christian track. Here's what it stood for. <clears throat> Excuse me. WWJD stood for who will Jesus destroy? <clears throat> Good reaction. Like <clears throat> it, after that proceeded a long list with verses to back it up of all the people. Jesus can't wait to you know to destroy the fornicators, the liars, the you know adulterers, the homosexuals, the hypocrites. On and on, and I looked at that, and I just reached over, I grabbed it, put it in my pocket, and it's on my desk, and I'm debating whether to pursue this guy. His name is actually on it. I thought we could, as a church, go pay him a visit. <laughs> you, know, you know, we believe in laying hands on in this church, don't we? But, but, I mean, can you imagine, though? Again, just, is that not the, is that not the enemy? Here's someone in the hospital, they're sick, their loved one's sick, and you know what happens when hard things come our way? Aren't we so quick, again, the enemy, to go, is God against me? Like, are you angry at me? Is that why I'm sick? Are you punishing me because I did this or that or didn't do this or that? And then they're standing in the elevator and they see that. And, and here's the thing, you know, what, you know like, like, what does the enemy do? How does he twist the truth in your life? the truth of who God is. What is he, you know, well, in life, but, but now in the context of worship, when you come into worship, what, what does he lay on you, the enemy, to try to blind you? You know, and I know, I know for me, one of the things that it's just been a struggle in my life is I just have this sense sometimes that, I guess it's, well, I'm having a conversation in my mind right now. Really, you think? I'm not sure. Let's try it. <clears throat> you have no idea. <laughs> Four different languages. No. <laughs> Almost. But uh, I just have this, I've just had this struggle that God is disappointed with me. And I know I'm not alone in that. And you know what I've seen <clears throat> in my life, it's been as I've come into, the, the, into, a, into a worshiping community that 
my heart has been awakened to the truth. And disappointed? No. I love you. I'm gracious. I'm compassionate. I'm slow to anger. I'm not quick to anger. I remember when I was 18, I went to the, uh, the Vineyard Church. It was uh, when we were back in Canada. First time at a Vineyard Church. Really first time in really encountering worship. And uh, I, I just remember, uh, really for about the first six months that I went there, uh, we, the music would start, the worship would start, and I would say to myself, don't cry, don't cry, <laughs> don't cry. And I would just start to bawl. And I'm 18. Helen and I, it was our first date was to the vineyard. And I'm like, be cool, be cool, as I'm bawling my eyes out. And I'm, I, you know. but, but here's what it was. I remember thinking, like, the songs aren't that good, right, as I was bawling my eyes out. But what I didn't realize at first, but what I came to realize that what was happening was wave after wave of the love of God of the presence of God was washing away all the lies of the enemy and really the prison that he put me in. And it was just this wave after wave of his love, of his kindness, and it was in the context of worship as we sang the truth of who he is. And I mean, listen to this quote. <clears throat> it says, words make you think a thought, music makes you feel a feeling, a song makes you feel a thought. And especially when what we're singing is true, there's something so powerful, so real happens. So let's, let's try a little exercise. I want you to close your eyes. <clears throat> and uh, so just close your eyes and then imagine, like get a picture of what's the struggle in your life? Where's the area of struggle? Is it in your life? Is it your health? Is it finances? Is it, you know, on and on. Is it a loved one? So just picture that struggle, that hard place. So just get that picture in your mind. And I'm doing the same thing. And now, and now picture Jesus, looking at that picture, picture Jesus walking into that, walking into that struggle, okay? So keep that in your mind and just keep your eyes closed and just listen to this. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. You can join in if you want. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. See, isn't there something so powerful happens when Jesus, it's like through the, as we sing the truth of who he is, it's like his presence, something is awakened. Something's awakened in our hearts, something is awakened in that situation, you know, so you can see why David is commanding himself Soul, don't miss out. Don't be passive. Lean in, push in. Don't miss out on, on this opportunity to, to connect, to connect with God. You know, because for many of us, what we need to discover is that God loves us. Like, who gets tired of hearing that? 
Who gets tired of experiencing that, that God loves us, that he's not angry with us, we don't have to fear him? And you know, it's interesting in Psalms 103, three times there's this phrase, for those who fear him. Those are the words, that's what David wrote. And it's sort of like saying all these benefits of God, to get them or who gets them, it's those who fear him. And again, remember, this is an English translation of Hebrew words. And really, this is not a good translation because when you and I read fear him, what do we think? Ugh. Right? For, like, is it, is it saying we need to be afraid of God to receive all these benefits? It's like, no, that's not even what, that's not, not even what David was trying to say. The, the Hebrew word is this. It's a word... Uh, uh, yare, and it means, it doesn't mean to cower and cringe and, sh- you know, your knees knocking. It means to stand in awe of, to revere. And what David is saying when he wrote this, he's saying, you know, so who, you know, it's, uh, in, in worshiping God and, and, and praising God, he's not saying, you know, so be scared and worship God. He's saying be in awe and worship God. As God reveals the truth of who he is, as we remember, as God awakens in our soul and and, and we experience his presence, David is like, look at all that and just respond. Just just respond to him like, really? Is that what you're really like? Well, then I gladly worship you. I mean, it's it's just a natural response to just say, there is no one like you, God. And that leads us to number three. Number three is worship resets our perspective. David continues, and he says this in verse 14, he says, for he knows, God knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, who, adore, who are in awe of him, and his righteousness with the, their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. So as we worship, you know, we, are, uh, we realign, we remember the truth of who God is, we're awakened to his presence, we experience him, and as we do that, our perspective is changed. And what we become aware of is we become aware of how great and how awesome God is and how little and frail we are as people. And you know, when I look at David and you see it all throughout his Psalms, David was a man who liked feeling small in the presence of God. He liked it. He went after it. He welcomed, he celebrated it. In, uh, in Psalms 8, David says, like, what is man that you even notice him? Right, and what did he just say in 103? Like, I mean, what is man? We're like, mm, we're like, we're, we're tiny. What are, you know, as mortals, it's, we're, we're like a little piece of grass. We're like a little flower in the field and the wind blows over it. And, oh, oh, he was just there, now he's gone. Right, David just says, like, what, who are we that you even notice us? Because you, God, Right? There's just, there's just, he shows that massive gap. He goes, because you, God, you're from everlasting as far as you can go in that direction forever. You're to everlasting as far as you can go forever in that direction. From everlasting to everlasting, God, you rule over all. Like David loved getting in touch with his smallness. Why? Because he just loved feeling like a worm? No, no. Because it got him in touch with what? With the greatness of God. 
See, and, and that is so important for us. It's so good for us, for our souls, to get in touch with how small and weak we are as human beings and, and, and to get in touch with how great God is. Why? Because one, it's true. Two, because like David, as we get in touch with that, it stirs awe in our hearts. Like, really? You so big and you feel that way about me? Like, you pursue me? You run after me? Another reason that's so good is because when we get that sense of how big he is, it makes it, uh, we're, we're so much quicker than to run to him to look after us. To run to him when it's hard. To run to him when we're confused. And, uh, you know, if anyone can help me, it's you. Because there's just no one like you. And David says in Psalm 139, he says, hey, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And what David is saying, like, God, you are so big. So big that there's, there's nowhere I can go that you can't get to me. There's, you know, you are so big, God, that I literally can rest in your hand. That you carry me you can carry me. And I know uh, that today uh, there are some people here, many people here, that you're facing situations that are just, they're huge to you right now. Right? They're overwhelming. Again, I just said, well, I know so many of you. It's whether it's health or with you know, a, a child or, or uh, uh, broken relationships or addictions or, I mean, just all the hard stuff of life. And, and really what God wants to show you today when we talk about worship is like, okay, so that's you. You know, that's you in your, in your smallness and, and, and in your frailty. And here's the thing that is overwhelming you, right? The sickness or whatever it is. And God wants us to see that, hey, but, but here I am. And really better than that, I mean, there he is. And what it's gonna take, because all you can see right now is the thing that's overwhelming you, the thing that you're afraid of that you're anxious about. And here's the thing about worship. Worship resets our perspective. As you choose to worship, as you push against that, you know, that slope that's flowing towards you, as you push against that, and you start to, you know, to realign and remember who God is, and you're awakened to his presence, to his goodness, to the truth of who he is, here's what I promise. I promise is that that thing that seems so big right now, do, 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 it shrinks. It just gets smaller and smaller to where all we can see is him and his greatness and his, uh, his in-controlness. So why don't we stand up? So let's just quiet ourselves. a nice chunk of time. Uh, let's just, let's just uh, invite the Lord to, uh, just to come and guide us. Like, what does he want to do now? So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. Well, really, I ask that you would just continue doing what you've been doing this whole morning. You know us. Just come, Lord. Come and uh, uh, awaken in us, tune us into your presence right now.
Jesus. Come, Lord. Lord, we love your presence. We love that, uh, that you're a father who loves to come close. That you're a father who loves to get down on the floor with his kids. And I just see, uh, just this picture in my mind, I see Jesus walking around the room and he's going up to people and, and you have a mask on your face. And it's, and it's not so much like you're being phony, it's more like you're ashamed and you're trying to cover something up and I just see him taking the mask off and he just pulls you in close. He just loves on you. And I, I just get a sense, so for, so for some people, uh, you know, whether it's, I don't know, guilt or something that, that you just work really hard to cover up, Jesus is like, you don't have to do that with me. You know, so maybe you're here today and, and maybe you would say, I'm not even a Christian. And I just want to encourage you that his invitation, he's reaching out to you, his invitation is just bring me all that you are right now. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And so I, you know, in a second here, I'm gonna invite folks forward, but I, that's one group I would invite forward that you, when we talk about worship, we talk about coming into God's presence, you would be the one who would say, why would I wanna to go to him? I know he's angry with me. And he wants to change that today. He, I am not angry with you. I'm not disappointed with you. I just want you to come close to me. So that's one group. Uh, another group would be... Uh, um, that, you know, I talked to the story about the slope of the drains at our home, that, that for some of you, that there's been settling in your life. I'm not sure what that would mean, but that it's sort of like the slope has changed. And you would just say in your heart that there's a dullness. Maybe, maybe it's in worship, maybe it's, just in your, maybe it's in your relationship with God, maybe it's just life. There's a dullness. And I just see the Lord wanting to, wanting to, to renew the slope uh, towards him. So, yeah, I'm gonna invite those groups. If that's you, I wanna invite you forward. If anyone's here has any pain in your body, uh, any sickness, we would love to pray for you. So, 